This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Getting news on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine, and here's your top five at five. This, this is the top five at five. All those folks returning to work, including me, in school up against surges in Omicron, the COVID-19 variant expected to peak next week. Race. Yes, race is being taken into account in New York City as health officials consider treatment for COVID-19. We will explain. So there's a big new revelation about former President Donald Trump in Michael Wolff's new book, Landslide. It involves a January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol and his daughter, Ivanka. That's coming up. Well, have you been wondering if the population increased during COVID? Well, the answer is yes. But here in the United States, much of the spike is due to illegal border crossings. Yes, of course, during the Biden administration. And Jingle Bells banned. Can you believe it? Yes, the iconic Christmas song is causing controversy, actually. It has been banned from an upstate New York school district, and we will tell you just why as well as where. All right. Dr. Fauci made remarks Sunday in an ABC News interview. Here's what he said. I plead with parents to please seriously consider vaccinating your children, wearing masks in the school setting, doing test to stay approaches when children get infected. I think all of those things put together, it's safe enough to get those kids back to school balanced against the deleterious effects of keeping them out. Now, experts are predicting Omicron cases may hit a peak of 5.4 million cases leading up to January 9th. Now, according to The New York Times, nearly 444,000 new cases were recorded for the nation over the weekend. That was on Saturday. Now, that compares to just over 587,000 New Year's Eve. So some school districts are scrambling to implement safety protocols ahead of next week's return to the classroom. And experts are warning against the return to in-person learning, citing all all-time highs for pediatric COVID hospitalizations. Now, experts think the Omicron surge is expected to come rapidly, impacting many Americans and then swiftly decline. Well, there's a big revelation. This is interesting from New York City's Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. A look at their website reveals that New York City is taking a person's race into account when determining potentially life-saving COVID-19 treatment. So the city says it will consider race and ethnicity when assessing individual risk. 
It reads the agency's official guidance from December 20th. So it adds that longstanding systemic health and social inequities can contribute to an increased risk of dying from COVID-19. Now, this guidance applying to both the distribution of monoclonal antibodies and oral antivirals. So the city back in October said, quote, monoclonal antibody treatments have averted at least 1,100 hospitalizations and at least 500 deaths among people treated in New York City. This race-based approach in treatment has already begun to have real-world consequences, too. One Staten Island doctor said he filled two prescriptions for Paxlovid this week. He was asked by the pharmacist to disclose the race of his patients before that treatment was actually authorized. Well, there are some new revelations about former President Donald Trump. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the chair of the January 6th House Committee, says Trump's daughter Ivanka, then senior advisor to the president, personally appealed to her father at least twice to call off his supporters during the January 6th Capitol riot. Now, according to Michael Wolff's latest Trump book, you might have read it, Landslide, Ivanka reportedly referred to the insurrection as an optics issue as it was taking place. Cheney and Representative Benny Thompson appeared on a slew of Sunday news programs to reveal more pieces of the timeline of that Capitol riot. The Republican Party has to make a choice. We can either be loyal to our Constitution or loyal to Donald Trump, but we cannot be both. And the nation needs a Republican Party that is based on substance and values and principles. Uh, and, And we've got to get back to that if we want to get this nation back on track. All right. Thompson said the committee is actively looking into whether it can subpoena fellow sitting members of Congress if they refuse to cooperate voluntarily. Now, Cheney outlined reasons that the panel could consider criminal charges against Trump. Cheney argued Trump shouldn't be anywhere near the Oval Office ever again. All right. Well, illegal immigrants, have you been wondering what has happened to the U.S. population during COVID? Illegal immigrants are pouring across U.S. borders under the Biden administration. Now, that is helping to lead to this surge in the U.S. population. So what's happened is that the U.S. population has swelled by 707,000 over the past year. One new person is added from international migration every 130 seconds. The U.S. population is now estimated at 332.4 million people. Meanwhile, Customs and Border Protection agents are battling record high numbers of illegal crossings at the southern border. Customs officials report over 173,000 illegal crossings at the southern border just for the month of November. And that amounts to a 140% uptick compared to November 2020. The U.S. population is expected to experience a birth every nine seconds, a death every 11 seconds. Well, there is controversy in upstate New York over the iconic song Jingle Bells. The Council Rock Primary School in Rochester's Brighton Central School District has banned students from singing Jingle Bells. This is all over fears it was first performed by a minstrel act who wore blackface. So the Council Rock Primary School banned the holiday favorite from its music curriculum. Reason being, its first public performance may have been at an 1857 minstrel show in which white actors perform that tune in blackface. All right, 507, Deb Valentin with you uh, with the early news here at 77 WABC. We will have traffic coming up very momentarily. First, let's tell you a little bit 
about this uh, controversy, though, in upstate New York. So Council of Rock Principal Matt Tappan told the Rochester Beacon that the school instead replaced the festive classic Jingle Bells with other songs that don't have the potential to be controversial or offensive. Many in the community took issue with the song being banned and argued that it's harmless tradition, part of celebrating the winter holidays. The Brighton Central School District Superintendent Kevin McGowan published a letter on the district's website explaining that decision. Now, here's what he wrote. He said it seems silly to some, but the fact that Jingle Bells was first performed in minstrel shows where white actors performed in blackface does actually matter when it comes to questions of what we use as material in school. He said, I'm glad that our staff paused when learning of this, reflected and decided to use different material to accomplish the same objective in class. The letter continues, adding that the song is so closely related to Christmas, which not everybody in the community celebrates, so the district would have likely nixed it either way. All right, WABC News Time 508, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We have mostly cloudy skies today, our high 33. There is a 40% chance of snow until about 1 o'clock this afternoon. Overnight, mostly clear skies but cold. The low is down to 23. Right now, cloudy skies, our temperature in the low 30s. Right now, actually 33 degrees here in New York. Well, Americans' confidence in our own democracy and institutions deteriorating. The decline coming days before the U.S. marks the one-year anniversary of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. The new survey is by the Washington Post University at Maryland. It finds roughly one-third of American voters believe that violence against the government could be justified. Yet another poll, it was done by CBS, it's a CBS YouGov poll, indicates that a majority of people think the violence seen on January 6th was just the beginning. This Washington Post poll taken between December 19th and uh, actually December 27th asks U.S. adults, do you think it is ever justified for citizens to take violent action against the government or is it ever justified? of respondents said it could be. 62% believe it's never justified. Among Republicans, the inclination towards violence is slightly higher, with 40% believing violent action against the government could be within reason. But the notion was strongest among independent voters, 41% of whom said it was justified. Slightly more Republicans than independents said violence against the government is never okay, while 74% of Democrats answered the same. All right, yet another COVID-19 rule could be coming down the pike. The nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, has suggested the following, that Americans who are positive for COVID could be forced to test negative before being released from quarantine. The quarantine period is now five days instead of 10. Dr. Fauci made his remarks in an ABC News interview on Sunday. I'm still very concerned about the tens of millions of people who are not vaccinated at all. Because even though many of them are going to get asymptomatic and mildly symptomatic, a fair number of them are going to get severe disease. Fauci's comment 
comes days after the CDC have the isolation time for infected people from 10 days to five. This applies to anybody who is asymptomatic or has not had a fever for 24 hours. Fauci's latest remarks have seen him accused of flip-flopping on COVID yet again. This has Americans face conflicting advice as cases surge and lines for tests lengthen. COVID causing even more chaos at U.S. airports through the holiday period. Over 2,400 flights were canceled across the country Sunday afternoon. Travelers faced some 4,800 flight delays. Now, following Fauci's remarks, people took to social media to express their frustrations over consistently changing guidance. Many remarked that the CDC would only change its advisory after receiving pushback. Meanwhile, a new poll shows that former President Donald Trump holds a commanding lead over other potential Republican candidates in the 2024 presidential election. The poll shows the former Republican president leading Florida Governor Ron DeSantis by some 43 percentage points. The poll was done by Reuters. And it may come as no surprise to you that there is division along party lines as to who Respondents would support in the 2024 election. 54% of Republicans picked Trump, 11% chose DeSantis, and 8% picked former Vice President Mike Pence. So, of course, Trump has not officially announced another run for the White House. However, Trump has said he is thinking about running for president. President Biden has not said whether he will run for re-election in 2024, a rematch of the 2020 contest, of course. And while both have high familiarity ratings, Biden has a slight edge over Trump, 99 percent compared to 98 percent. A former New York City police commissioner, Bernie Carrick, an advisor to former President Trump, has provided the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th riot now with a trove of documents. It's in response to a subpoena by the panel for efforts involving overturning the election. A letter from Carrick's attorney dated Friday indicates that Carrick wants to cooperate with the committee and any investigators who are truly willing to move ahead swiftly and get to the truth. Now, among the documents released via the letter is a strategic communication plan meant to pressure Republican members of Congress, including swing state senators, to vote against certifying the 2020 election results. It included issues to highlight, such as dead people voted, underage people voted, and fraudulent ballots. The cooperation of Carrick, who was hired to investigate election fraud claims by Trump's legal team, is sought by the January 6th Select Committee because of his involvement in getting space at the Willard Hotel for the Trump team's war room prior to the January 6th Capitol riot. Carrick also made remarks to the Washington Post regarding his firm charging 10000 bucks in travel expenses to the Trump campaign, in addition to more than $5,500 for rooms for legal personnel. Carrick was subpoenaed in November. He signaled last month that he intended to cooperate with the investigation. However, Carrick also demanded an apology over an assertion that he had been involved in a January 5th meeting at the Willard. A member of the squad is taking new heat. New footage has emerged of AOC, Democratic Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, it shows AOC inside of a densely packed bar in Miami without a mask. AOC was applauded by the large crowd at the drag bar as she waved to bar goers who were mostly without masks, too. 
So the latest AOC controversy was first reported by Florida's conservative voice. All right. Ocasio-Cortez accused her critics last week of being motivated by sexual frustrations. Can you believe that when they called her out after the National Review reported that she was spotted maskless in Miami? New York, of course, has seen a record surge in COVID-19 cases amid the spread of the Omicron variant. New studies out about Omicron. We'll tell you about that momentarily. Let's get a check on business with Frank Diaz. And first, sports with Justin Ellick. Thanks, Deb. Happy Monday. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy All that Monday. good happy, stuff. Happy. Uh, I am Justin Ellick with your early news sports update. New Year, same New York football as both the Jets and the Giants fell in their Week 17 matchup yesterday. Same old incompetent Giants in Chicago as they get routed by the Bears 29-3. But the real story yesterday was at MetLife Stadium where the Jets nearly pulled off an upset for the ages over Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but surrendered a last-minute touchdown to lose 28-24. to some, some front page drama coming from the Buccaneers' sideline, though, as star wide receiver Antonio Brown was seen removing his entire uniform before exiting the field in what many are reporting to be a mental breakdown. Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians had these strong words for the troubled wideout after the game. He is no longer a buck. All right, that's the end of the story. Let's talk about the guys that went out there and won the game. So we'll see how that story unfolds as we approach the final week of the regular season coming up wherever A.B., if anywhere, he ends up. Over to the hardwood as the Knicks dropped one to the Raptors in Toronto yesterday, 120-105. to The orange and blue fall to 17-20 and overall, which is good for 11th place in the Eastern Conference. Nets were off yesterday but returned to the floor tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies at the Barclays Center. That tip-off is set for 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Some activity on the ice yesterday as well as both the Rangers and Devils came out victorious in their contests. The Rangers bested the Tampa Bay Lightning 4 to nothing, and the Devils squeaked out a victory over the Capitals in Washington. That's your early news sports update, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. I saw that Jets game yesterday, and they almost won. How about that? Had they made those two touchdown attempts late in the fourth quarter, they would have won. Yeah, but that's asking a lot out of the Jets. I think 24 points against the uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks, and even, you know, I mean, they were up pretty uh, pretty handedly going going into that second half, so... You know, at least they played a lot better in typical Jets fashion. How about it? Yeah. So. All right. So uh, we will be getting to the business report. We told you before the sports break, new studies about Omicron are out. They suggest the COVID-19 variant is less severe. So that's some good news than previous COVID variants. The studies find it does not cause as much damage in the lungs as previous strains. A study by a consortium of U.S. and Japanese scientists on hamsters and mice found a few things. Those infected with Omicron had less lung damage, lost less weight, and were less likely to die than those with other variants. So not as strong. Also, it found that mice infected with Omicron had a tenth less of the virus in their lungs compared to those with other variants. And the findings backed up yet another paper by researchers at the University of Hong Kong who studied human tissue in Omicron victims. They found Omicron grew significantly more slowly in 12 lung samples than earlier strains of the virus. So that actually good news. Omicron not as strong. All right. As promised, Frank's here with your business report Monday morning. Good morning, Deb. 
Well, U.S. stock futures rose early today as Wall Street looked to start off 2022 on solid footing. Futures tied to the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose about 104 points, or about 0.3%. Those for the S&P 500 advanced about 0.32%, and the Nasdaq 100 gained about 0.4%. The move in futures comes after markets closed out a strong 2021 last week. Well, the S&P 500 rose nearly 27% for the year with the Nasdaq Composite, and the Dow also posting large returns. Stocks fell slightly on Friday, but the S&P 500 and the Dow were positive for the final week of the year. Goldman Sachs says Sunday that it will join other major banks in encouraging employees in the U.S. to begin the new year working from home. J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, and Bank of America have also asked staffers to work from home as the country endures a major uptick in COVID-19 cases fueled by the Omicron variant. While Goldman Sachs employees will be urged to work from home until January 18th, offices will remain open with previously announced COVID-19 protocols in place, including a vaccine requirement and mask mandate. According to Reuters, starting February 1st, boosters will also need to be required and biweekly testing will be implemented starting January 10th. According to Bloomberg, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. told its employees that they could work from home for the first two weeks of January, though the company said they expected employees to return to the office no later than February 1st. I had my taste of working from home all week last week. Uh, it's not fun because you get really bored sometimes. But you continued working. I did. I did. Just, you know, because I'm, I'm a psychopath like that. But, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, billionaires seem to be warming up to the idea of cryptocurrency. If my paper turns, I can continue the story. Even as prices swung wildly, investors, large and small, dived into Bitcoin and Ethereum, as well as other non-fungible tokens. Bridgewater Associates founder Ray Dalio recently revealed that he was holding at least some Bitcoin and Ethereum in his portfolio, only months after questioning crypto's utility as a store of wealth. Dalio views the investments as an alternative money in a world where cash is trash and inflation erodes buying power. I've never heard that before, because cash is always king as far as I remember. According to a recent bank survey, almost half the family offices in Goldman Sachs does business with were interested in adding digital currencies to their portfolios. ProShares launched the first U.S. Bitcoin futures ETF, which attracted more than $1 billion in two days before it inflows sputtered and the price slumped since its October debut. Crypto enthusiasts are still hoping U.S. regulators approve an ETF that actually holds Bitcoin this year. All right, Frank, and your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We have a 40% chance of snow till mid-afternoon or so. Mostly cloudy skies are high just above the freezing mark at 33, mostly clear overnight with a low of 23. Well, New York's Governor Kathy Hochul signed some new legislation over the weekend, actually on Saturday, which declares racism as a public health crisis. It follows the governor's signing of a package of bills actually last month. They're all aimed at addressing racial injustice and promoting racial equity throughout the state of New York. So among them is this new law. It officially declares racism a public health crisis. It also establishes a racial equity working group within the State Department of Health. The group will make recommendations for legislative action. And many state Democrats are cheering the move, as you can imagine. Hochul also signed bills to enact the Hate Crimes Analysis and Review Act and to keep a more accurate and relevant public record of Asian American populations in the state of New York. And another bill signed by Hochul requires the transition of New York State agency websites for non-English speaking 
individuals. Well, if you're back to work this morning, heading out, these mass transit disruptions in New York City continue due to COVID-19. Many workers out either with the Omicron variant, maybe still a few lingering with the Delta variant or actually the original COVID-19 strain. The MTA says multiple subway lines are out of commission this morning. Transit officials say it's because COVID-19 is surging among the MTA's workforce. Transit representative Aaron Donovan says that the B, the W, and the Z lines, I'll repeat that, the B, the W, and the Z trains taken out of service last week will all remain shuttered as of today. But express trains that typically skip those stations will make some local stops. So Donovan said in a statement, the authority is proactively managing to ensure a continuation of reliable service 24-7 to every subway station. So they're doing what they can, but BW and Z trains out of service last week again today. Now, other train and bus routes have also suffered delays and cancellations. Friday alone saw some 56 scheduled bus runs canceled on the at NYCTB uses Twitter account. And transit officials have declined, though, to say just how many workers have been sidelined by the Omicron variant. However, estimates find that several thousand workers out due to COVID. So the B, the W and the Z lines out. Well, there's a new op ed from The New York Post, which says that suburban commuters are simply fed up with Penn Station. This op-ed turns up the heat on officials throughout the state, including up at the state capitol in Albany. Here in New York City at City Hall and the MTA, as commuters threaten never to return if changes aren't made quickly. A recent LIRR survey reveals commuter disgust. The primary complaint from commuters, you may have guessed it, running into people like panhandlers or people who are mentally ill or homeless at New York's Penn Station, the survey conducted between September 20th and October 4th. Now, it finds that of 22,000 respondents, some 4,800 identified as lapsed commuters. Long Island Republican Tom Swazi, who is running for governor, as you might know, says he was scared when he recently passed through the station. The other day, I personally, personally was scared. I know people that say they will not come into the city for, for dinner or for a show because they're scared to come. I know, I just spoke to someone yesterday who said their kids won't come visit them out on Long Island if they have to come to Penn Station after 7 o'clock at night. It's much worse than it's ever been before. So the MTA, which oversees the LIRR, says it's moving to address quality of life issues at Penn. Now, those actions include things like assigning police officers to known dingy areas and also closing off really bad parts of the station. Well, as you know, uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams took the oath of office over the weekend, and there are already signs of a de Blasio do-over. New York City's new mayor, Democrat Eric Adams, signed two executive orders. He did so Saturday. Now, one order continues the state of emergency that was put in place by former Mayor Bill de Blasio's administration to deal with COVID-19. The other maintained the key to the city order. It requires proof of vaccination in designated indoor settings. Now, Adams also tweeted that our focus in the weeks and months ahead will be on beating back the hashtag Omicron surge and putting our city on a path towards an equitable recovery. 
Adams also tweeted, we'll work day in and day out to get that done. He signed the orders in the early afternoon, shortly after giving a brief inaugural address from City Hall. And that's not all. Now, Adams also says he will consider a COVID-19 booster mandate for all city employees. I came here. We spent $11 trillion on COVID, and we don't have another $11 trillion. So our lives can't be based on what's the new variant. No, we have to figure out how do we adjust. And I say to those who are not vaccinated, stop it. It's time to get vaccinated. It's time to have the booster shots. You're endangering yourselves, and you're endangering the public and your family as well. So according to New York Governor Kathy Hochul, New York shattered a new record Saturday with nearly... 8,500, 500 new cases in the state. Those numbers quadrupled in size, which previously recorded a total of just over 2,100 positive cases just a couple weeks earlier now. Hospitalizations in New York State have also jumped to nearly 8,500, with medical center beds continuing to become scarce as the virus swarms around New York City. All right, well, this may come as no surprise to you. NYPD police sources Saturday said that New York City recorded 485 murders for 2021. Now, that marks a 4% increase over 468 murders in 2020. NYPD data shows that the surge was driven by a startling surge in gun violence across the city, too. Now, police data shows that through Sunday, there had been 1,857 shooting victims in the Big Apple. Murders in New York City have not surged above 500 since 2011 when 515 murders were recorded. Now, in 2012, homicides dropped to 419, and in the following years, they plummeted into the 300s each year, except for 2017, when the city recorded 292 murders. Well, heading over to Brooklyn, a 52-year-old nanny being hailed as a hero posthumously in Brooklyn. Now, this woman is credited with pushing a stroller carrying a one-year-old boy out of harm's way before an oncoming truck struck her. Now, this nanny's name is Arceli Selly for short, Mushcamp. Now, she died uh, on December 31st, New Year's Eve of injuries after being hit by that truck on December 20th in the Park Slope neighborhood. Now, this nanny was originally from Belize. She was struck at Union Street and Fifth Avenue. She was placed in an induced coma shortly after that crash and did not recover. It's not clear whether she was passing through one of the intersection's marked crosswalks or if the truck driver will actually face charges. Now, police told the DailyMail.com only that the investigation is ongoing into this tragedy. A GoFundMe page for her family has raised more than $80,000 as of Sunday afternoon, of course, to cover her medical expenses and funeral expenses as well. All right, WABC News Time 530, your forecast. We have a 40% chance of snow, mostly cloudy, the high 33. The overnight low 23, mostly clear, cloudy tomorrow with temperatures around 27. Right now we have a reading of 33 degrees under cloudy skies. Entertaining and informative. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Good morning. I'm Deb Valentine with your early news. Here's your top five at 530. It's the top five at 530. 
Well, those returning to work and school this week, they are up against surges in Omicron, the COVID-19 variant expected to peak next week. Race, yes, race, as well as ethnicity being taken into account as in New York City, as health officials consider treatment for COVID. We will explain. Well, there's a revelation about former President Donald Trump in Michael Wolff's new book, Landslide. It involves a January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol and his daughter, Ivanka. That's coming up. Well, has the U.S. population and worldwide increased during COVID? The answer actually is yes. But here in the U.S., much of the spike is due to illegal border crossings during the Biden administration. Jingle bells banned. Yes, the iconic Christmas song causing controversy. Can you believe it? It's banned from an upstate New York school district. And we will tell you just why and where. So as COVID-19 cases surge, millions of Americans are returning to work and school today. Experts are predicting that Omicron cases may hit a peak of 5.4 million cases leading up to next week, January 9th. Now, according to the New York Times, nearly 444,000 new cases recorded for the nation on Saturday. Now, that compares to just over 587,000 actually on New Year's Eve. So school districts are scrambling to implement safety protocols ahead of next week's return to the classroom. Some districts are even delaying the return altogether. The nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci on ABC's This Week. I plead with parents to please seriously consider vaccinating your children, wearing masks in the school setting, doing test to stay approaches when children get infected. I think all of those things put together, it's safe enough to get those kids back to school, balanced against the deleterious effects of keeping them out. So experts are warning against the return to in-person learning, citing all-time highs for pediatric COVID hospitalizations. And experts think that the Omicron surge is expected to come rapidly, impacting many Americans and then swiftly decline. Well, there's a revelation from New York City's Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. And actually, a look at their website reveals that New York City is taking a person's race into account when determining potentially life-saving COVID-19 treatments. And the city says it will consider race as well as ethnicity when assessing individual risk reads the agency's official guidance from December 20th. So it adds that long-standing systemic health and social inequities can contribute to an increased risk of dying from COVID-19. So this guidance applying to both the distribution of monoclonal antibodies and oral antivirals. The city in October said that monoclonal antibody treatments have averted at least 1,100 hospitalizations and at least 500 deaths among people treated in the city. The race-based approach in treatment has already begun to have real-world consequences. So this is anything bad. It's not anything uh, that is segmenting any section of society. One Staten Island doctor said he filled two prescriptions for those for the COVID pills, Paxlovid, this week. He was asked by the pharmacist to disclose the race of his patients before that treatment had been actually authorized. Well, there were some new revelations about former Republican President Donald Trump. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney, who's chair of the January 6th House Committee, says Trump's daughter, Ivanka, then senior advisor to President Trump, personally appealed to her father at least twice to call off his supporters during the January 6th Capitol riot. 
And also, according to Michael Wolff's latest Trump book, Landslide, Ivanka reportedly referred to the insurrection as an optics issue as it was taking place. Cheney and Republican Benny Thompson appeared on a slew of Sunday news programs to reveal more pieces of the timeline of the Capitol riot. The Republican Party has to make a choice. We can either be loyal to our Constitution or loyal to Donald Trump, but we cannot be both. And the nation needs a Republican Party that is based on substance and values and principles. Uh, and, and we've got to get back to that if we want to get this nation back on track. Thompson said the committee is actively looking into whether it can subpoena fellow sitting members, members of Congress if they refuse to cooperate voluntarily with the House committee. Cheney outlined reasons the panel could consider criminal charges against Trump. Cheney argued Trump shouldn't be anywhere near the Oval Office ever again. Well, under the Biden administration, illegal immigrants are pouring across U.S. borders under the Biden administration, and that is leading to a big surge in the U.S. population. The U.S. population has actually swelled by 707,000 more than that over the past year. One new person is actually added from international migration every 130 seconds, so just over every two minutes. The U.S. population now estimated at 332.4 million people. And Customs and Border Protection agents, too, are battling record high numbers of illegal crossings at the southern border. Customs officials are reporting over 173,000 illegal crossers at the southern border. Now, that's just for the month of November. It's a 140 percent uptick compared to November 2020. The U.S. expected to experience a birth every nine seconds and a death every 11 seconds this year. Now, worldwide, the population grew by 74 million people during 2021. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, that amounts to an increase of 0.9 percent since New Year's Day 2021. Well, a little more information now about that uh, controversy in upstate New York over Jingle Bells, an iconic Christmas song, of course. The Council Rock Primary School, it's in Rochester's Brighton Central School District, has now banned students from singing Jingle Bells. It's all over fears it was first performed by a minstrel act who wore blackface. The Council Rock Primary School banned the holiday favorite from its music curriculum reasoning, being that its uh, first public performance may have been at an 1857 minstrel show in which white actors performed the tune in blackface. Council Rock Principal Matt Tapin told the Rochester Beacon that the school instead replaced the festive classic with other songs that don't have the potential to be controversial or offensive. So many in the community, as you can imagine, took issue with the song being banned and argued that it's a harmless and traditional part of celebrating the winter holidays. The Brighton Central School District Superintendent is Kevin McGowan. He published a letter on the district's website explaining the decision. He wrote, quote, it may seem silly to some, but the fact that Jingle Bells was first performed in minstrel shows where white actors performed in blackface does actually matter when it comes to questions of what we use as material in school. He said, I'm glad that our staff paused when learning of this, reflected and decided to use different material to accomplish the same objective in class. The letter continues, adding that the song is so closely related to Christmas, which not everyone in the community celebrates, so the district would have likely nixed it either way. 
All right, WABC News Time 540, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mostly cloudy day today, our high only 33, and right now it is 32 degrees, cloudy skies. We do have a 40 to 50 percent chance of snow until mid-afternoon tonight, mostly clear skies. The low is 23. A far-right conspiracy theorist, U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, has been banned from Twitter. She's reacted to the ban, calling Twitter an enemy to America. Twitter permanently banned Greene Sunday for sharing COVID-19 misinformation. Now, in her final tweets, which were obtained by DailyMail.com, they show her railing at what she blasted as government overreach about covid Green's uh, Twitter tweets also discussed how life had changed since the virus hit the U.S. Here's Green on Steve Bannon's podcast, War Room Pandemic. They are ruining our country, these vaccine Nazis. And I'm sorry, I know I'm using the word Nazi and everybody gets mad when I say it, but that's exactly what they are. They're vaccine Nazis and they need to... Because you think this shows the fascism of this of of the elites. They are the fascists. All right. Green, who is also known for espousing QAnon conspiracy theories, still has access to her work account. It's at Rep MTG, where she last posted on December 19th. Twitter's rules allow somebody to appeal if they believe their account was suspended in error. But she has been permanently banned. And it was a fifth strike for Green, who was last suspended in August for saying that vaccines were failing to reduce the spread of COVID and that the FDA shouldn't have approved them. So she is now permanently banned from Twitter, U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, Little Rock's police chief has now been suspended. Police Chief Kenneth Humphrey accidentally shot and critically injured a woman while aiming at another woman filmed shooting a gun on New Year's Eve. Now, Humphrey was put on leave. It's in accordance with the Little Rock Police Department guidelines for officer-involved shootings. That happened Saturday. The chief's shot critically injured 22-year-old Kalisha May as she tried to take down suspected shooter Taz Hayes. Now, dramatic video showed a woman arguing with a man before smashing the window of a car and a phone. A second woman, said to be Hayes, then runs into and shoots and opens fire but doesn't hit anybody. All right, Humphrey, who was out on patrol as part of an all-hands-on-deck initiative. Hayes, meanwhile, fled the scene. She was later taken into custody in charge of first-degree battery. So the city has now asked the state police to investigate both the initial fight and Humphrey's response in an effort to remain accountable, clear, and transparent. All right, heading over to California. Beverly Hills residents are buying guns in droves as crime soars under woke DA George Gaskin. He faces another recall effort due to the spike in crime in the upscale community and throughout Los Angeles. Beverly Hills Guns has seen upscale residents from Beverly Hills, Santa Monica, and even Hollywood Hills increasingly buying guns. Many are self-declared progressives who've never even held a gun before, but who've been spooked by soaring crime in their ritzy neighborhoods. Some have also discussed more elaborate security measures, such as armored cars, safe rooms, and bulletproof 
glass, believe it or not. And uh, Hollywood's violent crime is up 25 percent over last year. The homicide rate has actually doubled and shootings are up 54.2 percent over last year. The city has been plagued by a rash in slash-and-grab lootings that first began after Black Lives Matter protests ended with a riot on Rodeo Drive. Beverly Hills has now hired two private security firms to patrol neighborhoods alongside police, and residents are also forming their own patrol groups. Well, as you can imagine, there was airport chaos and frustration on Sunday for folks traveling home from the holidays. Bad weather, COVID delays, cancellations, sparking more than 2,400 flight delays and cancellations. The delays and cancellations on both domestic and international flights. More than half of the 4,120 flights canceled around the world, too. Additionally, 5,489 U.S. flights were delayed. All right, WABC News Time 545. Justin Ellick back with a look at sports. Yes, I am back, Deb. Thank you very much. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. New year, same New York football as both the Jets and the Giants fell in their Week 17 matchups yesterday. Same old incompetent Giants in Chicago as they get routed by the Bears 29-3. to But the real story yesterday was at MetLife Stadium where the Jets nearly pulled off an upset for the ages over Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but surrendered a last-minute touchdown to lose 28-24. to Some front-page drama coming from the Buccaneers' sideline, though, with star wide receiver Antonio Brown was seen removing his entire uniform before exiting the field in what many are reporting to be a mental breakdown. Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians had these strong words for the troubled wideout after the game. He is no longer a buck. All right, that's the end of the story. Let's talk about the guys that went out there and won the game. So we'll see how that story unfolds as we approach the final week of the regular season where, if anywhere, Antonio Brown might end up for that last game. Over to the hardwood as the Knicks dropped one to the Raptors in Toronto yesterday, 120-105. to The Orange Blue fall to 17-20 overall, which is good for 11th place in the Eastern Conference. Nets were off yesterday but returned to the floor tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies at the Barclays Center. That tip-off is set for 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Some activity on the ice yesterday as well as both the Rangers and Devils came out victorious in their contest. The Rangers bested the Tampa Bay Lightning 4 to nothing, and the Devils squeaked out a victory over the Capitals in Washington. The Islanders, I believe, are postponed until the 11th due to uh, COVID complications. Going to Canada and whatnot is obviously difficult for those NHL teams at this time. That's your early news sports update, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. So I saw Tom Brady had some comments about uh, Brown yesterday after his big meltdown. Yeah, I think he said what he had to say. Um, You know, uh, uh, there's not much that he probably knew of the situation at Mm. that time. Yeah, Um, I guess even the security thought that that was a fan running out on the field at first. And that was my initial thought. It's what what does stadium security do when one of the players starts streaking at his own game? Right, right. And and I know Brady said that uh, Brown deserves uh, compassion. Yes. He needs help. Yes. And uh, I think we can all agree on that. I don't don't think, I think his career is over. I, I would say, I'd say it's probably a good idea to step away from football for a little bit. Right. We'll, we'll see what happens, but he's probably done, done, and done. Exactly. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly cloudy day today, or high 33. We do have 40 to 50% chance of snow until mid-afternoon. The low overnight, 23, mostly clear skies. And right now, cloudy skies, 30. 
2.2 degrees. And we do have our business report coming up with Frank Diaz very, very shortly. And uh, let's first tell you, though, about New York Governor Kathy Hochul on Saturday. She uh, did sign some new legislation declaring racism as a public health crisis. And it follows her signing of a package of bills last month aimed at addressing racial injustice and promoting racial equity in the state. Now, among them is a new law which officially declares racism a public health crisis. It also establishes a racial equity working group within the State Department of Health, and the group will make recommendations for legislative action as well. All right, Frank Diaz in the house. So what's going on in the business world? Hello, Deborah. Well, the U.S. stock futures rose early today as Wall Street looked to start off 2022 on solid footing. Futures tied to the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 104 points, or about 0.3%. Those for the S&P 500 advanced about 0.32%, and the Nasdaq 100 gained about 0.4%. The move in futures comes after markets closed out strong in 2021 last week. The S&P 500 rose nearly 27% for the year, with the Nasdaq Composite and Dow also posting larger turns. Stocks fell slightly on Friday, but the S&P 500 and the Dow were positive for the final week of the year. Well, Goldman Sachs said Sunday that it will join other major banks in encouraging employees in the U.S. to begin the new year working from home. J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, and Bank of America have also asked staffers to work from home as the country endures a major uptick in COVID-19 cases fueled by the Omicron variant. While Goldman Sachs employees will be urged to work from home until January 18th, offices will remain open with previously announced COVID-19 protocols in place, including a vaccine requirement and mask mandate. According to Reuters, starting February 1st, boosters will also be required and biweekly testing will be implemented starting January 10th. According to Bloomberg, J.P. Morgan Chase and company told its employees that they could work from home for the first two weeks of January, though the company said they expected employees to return to the office no later than February 1st. Well, billionaires seem to be warming up to the idea of cryptocurrency, even as prices swung wildly. Investors, large and small, dive into Bitcoin and Ethereum, as well as non-fungible tokens. Bridgewater Associates founder Ray Dalio recently revealed he was holding at least some Bitcoin and Ethereum in his portfolio, only months after questioning crypto's utility as a store of wealth. Dalio views the investments as an alternative money in a world where cash is trash and inflation erodes. Buying power, I guess that phrase, cash is king, is no longer valid. According to a recent bank survey, almost half of the family offices Goldman Sachs does business with were interested in adding digital currencies to their portfolios. ProShares launched the first U.S. Bitcoin futures ETF, which attracted more than $1 billion in two days before inflows sputtered and the price slumped since its October debut. Crypto enthusiasts are still hoping U.S. regulators approve an ETF that actually holds Bitcoin in 2022. All right, Frank. Thank you. All right. If you are heading out after your holiday break, mass transit disruptions continue here in the city due to COVID-19. The MTA says multiple subway lines are out of commission. Transit officials say it's because COVID-19 is surging among the MTA's workforce. Transit rep Aaron Donovan says that the B, the W and the Z, I'll repeat that, the B, the W and the Z trains taken out of service last week will remain shuttered today. So, Express trains that typically skip those stations will make local stops, though. And uh, Donovan did say in a statement that the authority is proactively managing to ensure continuation of reliable service 24-7 to every subway station. They're doing what they can. 
and uh, other train and bus routes have also suffered delays and cancellations. There were 56 scheduled bus runs last week that were canceled. And uh, transit officials, so they're really not saying how many workers have been sidelined by Omicron, but estimates find that several thousand workers are out from the MTA due to COVID-19. A new op-ed from the New York Post says that suburban commuters are just absolutely fed up with New York's Penn Station. The op-ed turns up the heat on officials up in the state capitol, Albany, at New York City Hall and the MTA, as commuters threaten never to return if changes aren't made and made quickly. A recent Long Island survey, LIRR survey, reveals commuter disgust. Now, the primary complaint from commuters is about running into panhandlers or people who are mentally ill or homeless at Penn. The survey conducted between uh, September 20th and October 4th. So it finds that of 22,000 respondents, 4,800 identified as lapsed commuters. Long Island Representative Tom Swazi, who's running for governor, says he was scared when he passed through the station recently. I came here the other day. I personally, personally was scared. I know people that say they will not come into the city for, for dinner or for a show because they're scared to come. I know, I just spoke to someone yesterday who said their kids won't come visit them out on Long Island if they have to come to Penn Station after 7 o'clock at night. It's much worse than it's ever been before. All right, so Swazi there. The MTA, which, of course, oversees the LIRR, says it's moving to address quality of life issues at Penn. Now, the actions that they're doing include things like assigning police officers to known uh, dingy areas, dangerous areas, and also closing off parts of that station. Well, signs of a de Blasio do-over. New York City's new mayor, Democrat Eric Adams, signed two executive orders on Saturday. One order continued the state of emergency put in place by former Mayor de Blasio's administration to deal with COVID-19. Now, the other maintained the key to the city order. What's that, you ask? It is the order that requires proof of vaccination in designated indoor settings. So Adams tweeted, our focus in the weeks and months ahead will be on on beating back the hashtag Omicron surge and putting our city on a path towards an equitable recovery. We'll work day in and day out to get that done. He signed the orders in an early afternoon ceremony shortly after giving a brief inaugural address from City Hall. And that is not all. Adams also says he'll consider a COVID-19 booster mandate for city employees. We spent $11 trillion on COVID, and we don't have another $11 trillion. So our lives can't be based on what's the new variant. No, we have to figure out how do we adjust. And I say to those who are not vaccinated, stop it. It's time to get vaccinated. It's time to have the booster shots. You're endangering yourselves, and you're endangering the public and your family as well. So according to New York's Governor Kathy Hochul, New York shattered a new record Saturday with nearly 85,500 new cases reported throughout New York State. And those numbers quadrupled in size, which previously recorded a total of just over 21,000 positive cases just a few weeks earlier. Now, as for hospitalizations in New York State, they have also jumped to nearly 8,500 with medical center beds continuing to become scarce as the virus swarms around New York City. 
And this may come as no surprise to you, some new crime statistics. The NYPD police sources Saturday said that New York City recorded 485 murders alone for 2021. That's a 4% increase over 468 murders in 2020. The NYPD data shows that the surge was driven by a startling surge in gun violence across the city. Now, police data shows that through Sunday, there had been 1,857 shooting victims in the Big Apple. Murders in New York City hadn't surged above 500 since 2011 when 515 murders were recorded. In 2012, homicides dropped to 500, dropped to 419. Now, in the following years, they plummeted, though, into the 300s each year, except for 2017 when the city recorded 292 murders. Well, heading over to Brooklyn, a sad story here, but posthumously, a 52-year-old nanny is being hailed as a hero in Brooklyn. She's credited with pushing a stroller carrying a one-year-old boy out of harm's way before an oncoming truck struck her. This nanny, her name is Arcelli, Selly for short, Mushcamp. She died December 31st of her injuries after being hit by that truck on December 20th in the Park Slope neighborhood. Now, this nanny is originally from Belize. She was struck at Union Street and Fifth Avenue. She was placed in a medically induced coma shortly after that crash. And it's not clear whether or not she was passing through one of the intersections marked crosswalks or if the truck driver will face charges. Police uh, told the DailyMail.com that the investigation is continuing. Also, a GoFundMe page has been set up for this woman's family to deal with things like medical expenses. As of Sunday, it had raised more than $80,000. It will, of course, also help that family pay for her funeral expenses as well. All right, WABC News time coming up on 558. A mostly cloudy day today, our high 33. We have a... 40 to 50 percent chance of snow until mid-afternoon, the high 33, and mostly clear overnight, the low down to 23. Right now, 32 degrees, cloudy skies. We are coming up to Bernie and Sid in the morning, coming up at 6 o'clock. Well, we do have something uh, for the water cooler as you head back to work today. Lake Superior State University has released its annual list of banned words. Yes, banned words. Among the list, circling back. It's a phrase that has been used frequently by White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Overuse of circling back has led to several conservative memes and even a rap song compiling all the time she has uttered the phrase. I can, I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you. But I'll circle back with you if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back with you. I'm happy to circle back with you. I can circle back. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Jen Saki, there are other terms on the list that were also banned for being overused, such as no worries, supply chain, and new normal. More than 1,250 words were submitted to the Michigan schools list this year. Only three words on this year's list were COVID related. There are some uh, scary moments at this year's annual Coney Island Polar Plunge. This guy entered the water apparently alone, collapsed after a few minutes. Lifeguards rescued him. 
uh, before EMTs arrived. This guy taken to Coney Island Hospital. Unfortunately, no update on this guy's condition. Hopefully, he is doing well. All right, 559. Sid Rosenberg in the studio coming up to Bernie and Sid in the morning at 559. Quick check of your weather once again. We may have a little bit of snow today. We have a 40 to 50 percent chance of snow into this afternoon with a high only of 33 degrees. Right now, we have a reading of 32 right at the freezing mark, cloudy skies. All right, Deb Valentine in with you with the early news. We'll be back bright and early, 5 a.m. tomorrow morning here on 77 WABC.